Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. Okay, so let's tell everybody what we're doing today. I want to introduce our guest. I'm really excited. Dr. Becky Lynn is joining us today. She is the founder and CEO of Evora Women's Health, which is a full-service women's wellness and gynecology practice. They offer personalized concierge care in many aspects of women's health, including things like weight gain, low libido, painful sex, brain fog, mood swings, along with just routine care. So I am super excited. Welcome, Dr. Lynn. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's tell everybody what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So we're going to continue on with our kind of menopausal hysterectomy surgery decision series that we're doing here. We're going to talk about Some of the most common complaints Dr. Lynn hears when it comes to women in menopause. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about the difference between chemical menopause, surgical menopause, and then natural menopause, and maybe some of the things that can help with that. And then we're going to wrap up with how to talk to your doctor about the symptoms you're experiencing, as well as how to get in touch with Dr. Lynn if you need to for some personalized care. That's right. But before we jump in, let's hear from our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. And we're back. Okay, Dr. Lynn, so let's talk about menopause and the women that come to see you. What are the most common complaints that you hear? You know, the thing with menopause is I think that we all think it's just hot flashes and night sweats, but it's really a constellation of symptoms that happen due to declining estrogen and other hormone levels. So I would say the common ones I hear are weight gain, hot flashes, night sweats, low libido, painful sex, trouble sleeping, and brain fog. Those are probably the most common ones. Yeah, I I hear that. I When I went on my anti-hormone medications, I was still really thin for the first three and a half years. And then in year four, (laughs) 10 pounds decided to come rest on my bottom and have not (laughs) and have not left. How rude. I know. It's like no matter what I do, it's like they are there to stay. So I forgot about that symptom. That's definitely. Oh, and the brain fog. I did forget to mention that, too. I think you and I both were like. 
we're such optimists yeah. that we just ignore it, but it's yeah. it, it's a real yeah. uh, it's yeah. a real deal for sure. So so you're saying all of those are kind of what women come to you for. Are you seeing one particular kind of patient and like what kind of women come see you? Are they breast cancer survivors? You're you're a breast cancer survivor as well, correct? I am. Yeah. So so one, one thing I forgot to mention is anxiety and depression go along oh, with those other symptoms. Huge. Oh, yes. Oh, so, we're gonna dive into that because that's yeah, kind of the yeah. whole purpose behind us doing this series is that we are seeing so many women, young women in particular, because they're being often told to do these hysterectomies and ophorectomies, but the depression and anxiety that comes as a result of going into immediate menopause is like yep. drastic and severe. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is. But I would say that the, the typical woman that comes to see me, that I see a variety of, of types of women. Some are definitely breast cancer patients. I love helping breast cancer patients. I've been through what they've been through and having breast cancer wreaks havoc on your hormones because if, you know, they didn't recommend that you take your ovaries out, then many times they'll put you on like a hormone blocker or something that lowers your hormone levels. So a lot of times those women with breast cancer will come see me and they can be of all ages. You know, I'm, I'm, you always think of menopause, fifties, you know, something like that, but really there's so many breast cancer survivors who are in their twenties, thirties, and Mm forties. The other group of, of women in that sort of same vein are women with with the BRCA gene or any other gene that increases their risk for breast cancer because they may choose to have their ovaries removed once they're done with their childbearing and then they get thrown into menopause also. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group of women who are just going through menopause naturally, you know, just declining hormone levels, giving them those symptoms. And then there's other women that have a hysterectomy with an oophorectomy for another reason, not cancer related. And the thing with menopause that I do want to clarify is that when you take somebody's uterus out, it doesn't throw you into menopause Mm -hmm. because the the uterus isn't making any hormones. But when you take somebody's ovaries out and the ovaries are the organs that make estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, you throw them into immediate menopause. Right. Do you feel, I didn't realize until I had breast cancer and then subsequently had menopausal symptoms, I really Mm -hmm. couldn't believe that this isn't talked about more. Mm-hmm. That women that women aren't kind of clamoring for more support and help in these things like I because yes. young breast cancer survivors that we deal with at Faith Through Fire, they'll put up with a lot of BS with breast cancer. But when it starts affecting their sex life or their quality of life with their yeah. emotional state, they're like, whoa, pump the brakes like I'm not OK with this. Yeah. But I've noticed that some women have like such a hard time discussing openly these symptoms and how it's impacting their quality of life. And I mean, I guess when they're coming to you, they're not feeling that way. But do you I mean, I just can't imagine not bringing this up to my doctor, but it seems like a lot of women are suffering in silence. Do you think that's true? Absolutely. So I think that is completely true. I think society kind of, you know, puts the hush hush on anything sexual for women, which is ridiculous. And menopause isn't really talked about. So many women don't know that some of the symptoms that they're having are related to the menopause. Mm. And, And there's not a lot of good quality education out there on menopause. And also you have to be very careful. There's some really bad education out there on menopause. And so I feel like a lot of times 
it's because it's not talked about it. Women go searching on the internet and come up with information that's really not accurate. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time, you know, directing them to to accurate, good, scientific, evidence-based resources, which I always direct them to menopause.org. It's the North American Menopause Society's website. It's really good, scientific, accurate information. They're not trying to sell you something. I think you have to be wary of sites that are trying to sell you something. But yeah, no, I totally agree with you. There's, It's not talked about. And even women who come to see me, a lot of the time, it took them months to, mm-hmm. to gather up enough courage to come into my office and say, sex hurts, or I don't want to have sex with my partner. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes... Some, I mean, some people it doesn't. Some people are totally open about it, but other people, I mean, I, I see that a lot. People are like, well, I wanted to call you last year and I couldn't. And then I wanted, you know, and so, and, and what's important to me is that anyone can tell me anything. I hear it all day long. Women are not alone, but they feel very alone when they're having some of these symptoms. Um, But yeah, I think it's like, I mean, I, that totally resonates with me because I mean, we're, we're on a lot of different like Facebook support groups and things. And I will see posts from women that will say something like my husband and I haven't been intimate in five years. He's a great man. I feel really bad about it. I don't know what to do. And I'm just thinking, Oh my God. You went to Facebook about it. You went to Facebook about it because I think there's that level of anonymity, like, or maybe they feel like it's more of a safe space, but it's like, have you gone to your doctor five years and you're not happy with it? Yeah. You know, like, have you said something to somebody who can actually do something for you? Right. You know? Here's the problem with that. And this is just the way our our system is set up is that we do not learn in medical school in residency much about female sexual health. Mm -hmm, And so you may go to your doctor and say, oh, I haven't had, you know, sex because sex hurts. And your doctor may not know what's appropriate. You know, we don't get that training. Obviously, I have that training, but there are a lot of physicians and other providers out there who really don't have an answer. So then they either (laughs) don't ask about it or they say, oh, oh, it's just, you know, the course of aging. It's just natural, you know, just drink a glass of wine, which just kills me when I hear that. <laughs> my my oncologist actually referred, referred me to Barb, the social worker out front, because <laughs> she was in menopause. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah told him that sex hurt and he referred her to bar, Barb. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was oh kind my of, God. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Well, and the oncologist is another person who really has no training whatsoever. Yeah, So clearly. I love to be a good resource for the oncologist because... People are suffering, but that, you know, as, as the oncologist, they don't want to ask about it because they don't have an answer. So I want the oncologist to know, ask about it. It is so important to overall happiness, well-being, your relationship, your marriage. They need to, they need to ask because like I went into my oncologist and I was like, hold the phone. I'm, I want to have sex. This is not going to work for me. What can I do? And her first response to me was to direct me to you, Dr. Lynn. And I was mm-hmm. really grateful. But I, they have to ask because to yeah. our previous yeah. point, women are not always comfortable bringing this up. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so you have to be the person, the expert that says, I mean, they know these are side effects. Yeah. They know that when they refer or when they put you on these hormone suppression drugs, that that's a side effect. And I think Mm -hmm. just like you and I, when you just asked me how my menopause symptoms were, you know, I came up with the big obvious ones, but like I forgot about brain fog. I forgot about this. And when you go into your doctor's office and they're like, you know, how's how how are you doing? You know, you kind of draw that blank because you're like, I'm this strong person who just got through this big diagnosis 
And you just, yeah, you've had these like little things that are bothering you here and there. And like some of them turn into big things and, and it just, they don't come top of I mind mean, I'm because you're like, the person- I don't want to be the person to complain about it. Or just you've gotten so used to dealing with it that you yeah. just don't think that there's anything mm-hmm. that can be done. I mean, yeah. my first response is always like, I'm doing good. Yeah. But if they were to say, well, do you find yourself irritable? Yeah. Do you find yourself, you know, waking up in hot sweats? Yeah. Do you right. find intercourse painful? Yeah. 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 Here's here's Becky Lynn's number. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. And, and one, one thing I do want to add is that, you know, you said people think that nothing can be done. So I will have women come here and say like, well, I haven't been, I, you know, I heard about it. I didn't want to come because I didn't think there was anything that could be done. And they're like floored when I give them several options to mm-hmm. fix painful sex and several options to improve their libido. They're like, oh, I didn't even know that because- right. And I noticed myself doing that as a patient myself is I'm like, oh, I'm not going to go see that person because there's nothing that they could, you know. And and the other thing is, especially breast cancer patients, they think the only treatment is hormonal and that they just can't do hormones. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily the case either. There are things that you can do that are not hormones to help with painful sex and low libido. Yeah. Well, before I want to I want to kind of get into severity of symptoms and the differences that we see in various types of patients. But before we do that, you guys want to do you want to do boobs in the news? Dr. Lynn, you want to do boobs in the news with us? Sure. So boobs in the news is where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. All right. So this is how not to fly under the radar. Okay. There's a 50-year-old guy named Mark who's been on the run from authorities in Italy for seven years. What did he do? Uh, he was busted for trafficking cocaine. Okay. For the mafia. Oh, ooh. <laughs> big okay. deal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it turns out Mark has been hiding out in the Dominican Republic, and he blew his cover when he decided to host a YouTube channel showing off his Italian cooking skills. Stop it. <laughs> drug trader also (laughs) italian cook he didn't show his face during the videos but he also had several distinctive tattoos that tipped off law enforcement he was then arrested oh i love i love this line i guess no one can resist the temptation of becoming a youtube celebrity oh my gosh (laughs) what a boob what a goober yeah that's ridiculous so funny i Way to go, Mark. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I bet your cooking is delicious. Yeah. From jail. <laughs> well, he's he's a multifaceted individual, right? Yes. Cocaine mule slash expert Italian chef. chef. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Forget <laughs> it. Unbelievable. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. All right. And we're back. So, Dr. Lynn, I'm really curious about the different types of menopause and if you see differences. So for example, whether you see differences in women who choose surgical menopause by having their ovaries removed, or if they're in Mm -hmm. chemical menopause, like Sarah and I are from um, ovarian suppression shots, and then our aromatase inhibitors, and then versus maybe somebody that's just naturally kind of transitioning into menopause. Do you Mm -hmm. see difference in differences in those patients, like in terms of the severity of their symptoms? Yeah, I would say the most severe symptoms happen with the surgical menopause, where it's just absolute abrupt cessation of hormones. They just take them all out. I was going to say this really quick because we we had always thought that because and, and actually we've talked to patients who have said that their doctors are like, well, we've already suppressed your ovaries with a shot and you're just getting them removed. You're, you've already done menopause. Like it's going to be exactly the same as the ovarian suppression shot. And so they think they're signing up for basically what they've already kind of adjusted to. And it's not that way mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the ovarian suppression shot is a close second, but I would say not as severe as that, you know, abrupt surgical menopause. What do you feel like is one of the most standout-ish when somebody does choose to do an ovarectomy 
ophorectomy or a hysterectomy total? Like what's the standout yeah, symptom? Yeah, what's the standout symptom? Like is it, because we see a yeah. lot of anxiety and depression. I'm curious mm-hmm. if you see yeah. the same. That is very true. Yeah, anxiety and depression. And that's something we don't always think about. But definitely, I, I see that. I think the biggest thing I see with surgical menopause, those like hot flashes, night sweats. Mm-hmm. And then the other time, I the other thing I see which comes to mind is in those young breast cancer patients or BRCA gene or some of the other genes that cause breast cancer, like nobody told them their libido was going to go away. Mm-hmm. When we, if it's not in the setting of cancer and somebody's having their ovaries out, it's not just estrogen replacement, but testosterone as well. Mm. And if it's not in the setting of cancer, you need that estrogen, especially if you're a younger person to protect your bones, to protect your heart, to decrease your risk of heart disease, to keep your skin soft, your brain healthy. I mean, there's, there's so many benefits to, to hormones in general. Right. Right. We talk about that a lot. Is it safe for so we don't have testosterone replacement for women right now that's what on label usage correct but there's off label usage you're just saying that it depending on what that is it can either be detrimental or potentially helpful yeah so there have been published in the last couple of years some really good guidelines for practitioners that were published they were papers that were like done by North American Menopause Society the International Menopause Society the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health that looked at all the data we have on the safety and efficacy of testosterone and they came up with their recommendations and what they recommend is that if women are going to use testosterone that it be used for low libido, that there's the most data out there on low libido and that testosterone works and that it's safe in the short term. And they recommend that you use a product that is made for men, but you just use one-tenth of the dose. But if you have estrogen receptor positive or ERPR positive, in my opinion, you should not use hormones. And that includes testosterone because testosterone gets converted to estrogen in the body. Okay. So what options exist for somebody with low libido if they're estrogen positive or progesterone positive? Yeah. So libido is super complex, but there are things that you can do. There are two medicines that are on the market. They are for premenopausal women with low libido. That's not due to something else, but I've used them off label in my breast cancer patients because they're non-hormonal and they, they work, they, you know, they work in a different way. The other thing about libido, those two medicines, by the way, are Addie's the brand name, it's flibanserin, and then there's Vilethi, which is brimelanotide. That's very off-label use here. How do they ever come up with these names? That's I what know. I want to know. I can't even pronounce so I that. Know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking that. <laughs> the biggest drug name I can think of is Imvexi because it sounds like I'm sexy. Oh. And it's, it's a vaginal hormone, but honestly, what I didn't know I found this out a couple of years ago that whatever name the drug company picks, they have to get it approved by the FDA. So they can't just pick anything, oh. but somehow Invexi got through and I think it's genius. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah. Now the other thing I was going to say about libido is it's, it has to do with your relationship. Even the best of relationships can have communication problems. If you have anxiety and depression, libido is the first thing to go, right? Mm-hmm. If you're just feeling down, you're unmotivated, you're sad, you're not going to want to have sex. So, you know, what, what the way that I look at it is we want to focus on everything that's contributing, not just the loss of hormones. So we want to sort of tune up, like make sure that you're feeling better and that you're working through the anxiety and depression. Some people gain weight. 
And so they don't feel attractive that, you know, so then they're not comfortable in their own skin. So they don't want to share their body with anybody else. I think that sex for women, this is me just saying what I think, but I think sex for women is 90% mental. It's like the game of golf. Mm -hmm. I just think it's, I I 100% agree with your 90%. Yeah. 90%. Okay. 90% of sex for women is completely mental. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. if you don't work through all that stuff, you are never going to want to have sex. And I have met so many women who were struggling in their sex life before they got breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Because yep. of that mental component. Yep. So yes, it's easy to kind of hang all of it on, oh, I've had breast cancer and now I'm on these meds. And mm-hmm. and there is, I mean, that's legit. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's mostly in yeah. our heads. I really do. And I, I would get mad if a male doctor told me that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, but it's okay when you say it. No, it's like my, you know, it's like when my husband used to say, like, are you on your cycle? Why are you asking me that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> they can't say it, but I can say it. I think a lot of it is yeah. is uh, emotionally based. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. So I think that that's that holistic approach of both products, but also working through your stuff is right. pretty, mm-hmm. pretty important. Mm-hmm. Importante. All right. So sure. before we before we go on um, and talk about you know, kind of quality of life um, and and how you can talk to your doctors. Let's hear from our second sponsor. SSM Health is a proud sponsor of the Besties with Breasties podcast. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer during their lifetime. Early detection is key and keeping up to date on yearly mammograms could be life-saving. At SSM Health, we offer patients in the St. Louis area online scheduling for mammograms, including next-day appointments. Visit ssmhealth.com slash schedule ma'am to make your appointment now. And we are back. So Dr. Becky Lynn, I really want to hear from you about how you think doctors could set patients up to have a more successful menopause. They need to take the time to talk to patients about what to expect. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, especially like in the setting of a pre-surgical. I think it's really important to talk about sex drive and painful sex and hot flashes and low libido and all of that. I don't want this to come out the wrong way. Do you think it's lack of knowledge on their part as to why they're not saying it? Or is it because you think it might deter them from making the decision to surgically remove their ovaries if they are scared that they could bottom out and have these symptoms. Like, what do you think is the m- motivating factor? Because I've I've heard mm-hmm. in certain circumstances that sometimes they don't lead with the potential negatives because they don't want to deter people from treatment when they feel like that's very necessary to lower their risk for recurrence. Well, I'll tell you why I think they don't bring it up is lack of time, because the way that our healthcare system is set up is that it's you get, you know, 15 minutes with your doctor and it's in and out and they don't have time to to go through all of that stuff. That's my that's my gut feeling. I don't think that it's because, oh, they think you should definitely have your ovaries out because most physicians or at least physicians of my generation were trained that you discuss the risks and the benefits, you know, with with your patients and let them decide. I don't fault my doctor for not knowing about it. But if I do want them to ask me or like to your point, present what the pros and cons are and what the potential, mm-hmm. you know, f- what's going to happen so that I can make an informed decision. But then also I want a game plan. Like yeah. I, and maybe it's too much to ask in our current medical environment with the limited time that they have. But I would like to hear, Hey, if you do this, some women experience X, Y, and Z. 
if that were to happen to you, I want you to know about these resources to help you. Yeah. Here are, mm-hmm. here are doctors you could potentially call. I mean, when you get a lab, I think feel like in most places when you get a lab and you have like it flags you as having low vitamin D or something it, off to the side. It'll say here is what low vitamin D means. Like it would just be right. nice that you have opted for the surgery and then it just triggers somebody they to have say, that they here here are mental health professionals in your area here is you know a sex therapist in your area here is a doctor you can go to here is if just- you're listening doctors make sure you put dr lynn on your paperwork so that patients yeah. <laughs> can reach out and get some freaking help with their sex life because people yeah. need it people and it'll stop yeah. them from having awkward conversations with the doctors who don't obviously know what they're talking about <laughs> i always right. wonder that too from a marketing perspective within these hospitals and things i'm like do you guys talk to patients because if you i mean <laughs> you did I can, I can tell you right now 10 things that would make your department like 10 times better yeah (laughs) so anyway all right well very good do you is there anything you want patients to know when they're when they're considering these procedures or just when they're in our position where they were kind of forced into chemical menopause also where can patients find you yeah. So a couple of things I want to say is that, you know, because of the healthcare system we live in, you have to be your own advocate, right? So as a patient, yeah, we would, it'd be great if doctors brought up everything. There's, you know, other, there's so much to bring up, but they can't always. So, you know, you definitely want to advocate and say, tell me what are the risks? What's going to happen to my sex life? What's going to happen to, you know, you, you, you got to, sort of keep them in the room and ask the questions. I think Mm -hmm. that's really important. If they don't have an answer or you don't get the answer that you want, when it comes to menopause and sexual health, there are, like I mentioned on the internet, you can find good sources and you can find bad sources. And so the sources that I think are excellent and very science-based, menopause.org, so ORG, is the North American Menopause Society, fantastic organization. And then also ISWISH, which is the International Society for the Study of Women's Sexual Health. Very evidence-based, excellent information. They're not trying to sell you anything. So if you don't get the answer that you want, don't just accept it. Mm -hmm. You know, try to get, keep keep checking because Mm -hmm. not everybody can know everything. Right. right. Yeah, I agree. We won't put that yeah. on. We won't put that on them. That's not really fair. You yeah. know, and right. Sarah and I tell right. patients that all the time that you have to advocate for yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, as far as finding me, I'm out here in Chesterfield at St. Luke's. I'll probably be moving, though, to Creevecore in the fall. My practice is really set up. I'm not your traditional medical practice where I get 15 minutes with you. You know, I have it set up so I get an hour with each patient. Follow-ups are usually 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. So we really have time to focus on whatever you need to focus on. Yeah, I'm out at St. Luke's. I'm Evora Women's Health. So that's E-V as in Victor, O-R-A. We're a concierge practice. So like our goal is to take care of you and give you the time that you need. And we really try and to offer, you know, a comprehensive approach to women's healthcare. It's not just a pap and a breast exam. Like we talk about nutrition, we talk about exercise. And I think when it comes to cancer, that's really important because those other things, like once you're a cancer survivor, nutrition, nutrition is important, right? You want to, you know, eat things that are, you know, anti-inflammatory and like, 
obviously good for you. You want to maintain a healthy weight, but exercise decreases the risk of recurrence of breast cancer and sleep is really, really important. And I know there's been studies that show that women who are sleep deprived are at higher risk for breast cancer. Yeah, I I read that as well. And it's interesting because sleep disturbances is something that a lot of breast cancer survivors struggle with. Mm -hmm. Yes. A lot of times because of hot flashes. So (laughs) it's a vicious circle. So what's your website address? Dr. Lynn. It's evorawomen.com. Evorawomen.com. And what's your office number? It's 314-934-0551. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking time to talk to us about this important issue. Keep up the good work because we need more doctors like you that are prioritizing women's health and women's sexual health. So thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I love doing this. In the next episode, we are going to hear from several women. We've got a few women who are coming on to share their story about hysterectomies and ophorectomies. Until next time. So tune in to listen. We'll see you guys. Bye. If you are a breast cancer survivor and you love Besties with Breasties, make sure you join our survivorship support network at faiththroughfire.org to gain access to exclusive episodes that are ad-free and uncensored. 